This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. We are going to spend an hour talking about super licenses and why they, it is the best system in the world. Or we're going to talk... Everyone just deleted this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I've been blocked on Twitter eight times in the last seven seconds for making that joke. I think I'm going to make that joke at least once a week now because it's definitely going to trigger a lot of people. And then we're also going to talk about why Colton Herta does not deserve a super license because he dro- because his dad is Michael Andretti, apparently. And now that I've gone completely unprofessional, where should we start this week? Uh, let's review Monza. It didn't finish under green. And people have thoughts about that. But I want to hear yours first. Yeah, I... I... I listen, I am not one that says, oh, red flag, red flag, red flag. Like a lot of it's actually a lot of NASCAR writers were saying, you should go red flag at the end. I just don't understand why it took so long to never get that car out of the way. I think it was stuck like, in gear, that, that is what they is, said, but can't you I don't can't know. You turn it, it, it did off? take a long time. I I don't it, know. It, they didn't explain it well. Okay. So if it's stuck in gear, Crofty just red kept flag. saying, "Get ready for it to finish." Yeah, yeah. If it's stuck in gear, something like that, red flag. Sure, I don't have an issue with that in that case. I kind of forgot about the stuck in gear part because you know I didn't sleep at all this weekend, as you heard yesterday. We won't repeat that ten minute rant. But if it's stuck in gear, red red flag it, or at least you get get the pace car to slow down to half speed. Do something. Clearly, they're going, oh, you know, we're going to get going soon. We're going to get going soon. Up the race ends. So it's just, and listen, Verstappen was winning no matter what. It didn't make a difference. But to you know, have such a lengthy yellow flag and the race for a car stuck in gear feels kind of feels kind of shitty. Yeah, I think it was Martin Brundle and Karun Chanduk who said, I don't understand why they didn't just red flag this. And we heard Christian Horner say the same thing, but obviously he has a vested interest in, you know, kind of repeating what happened in Abu Dhabi so that he can kind of legitimize the results of that finale. And Toto Wolf obviously had the opposite viewpoint and said, you know, I'm glad that they learned something, the FIA, um, you know, race control from Abu Dhabi and that they didn't red flag it. Because even though people like to see it finish under green and have that, I think they kept referring to it as a grandstand finish, I mean, it's a little bit manufactured if you red flag it for a car stuck on the side of the road. I mean, it did take 
way too long. So I don't know if we can excuse the marshals or whoever's, you know, dealing with that for that issue, but I don't think we can really get that angry at F1 for not red flagging it when it's, what was it, just an engine failure or something? I don't remember I what the problem was. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, forget. neither do I. I but it, it wasn't serious. It, like, there so, wasn't damage to barriers or anything yeah. like that. Like, it, it wasn't something where they needed right. to red flag to repair the track. So it wasn't an instant red flag situation. So I don't think we can criticize F1 for not immediately defaulting to that. Right. Yes, yes, agreed. I think that's fair. But, you know, listen, we have to find a way to compare this to Abu Dhabi and how Lewis Hamilton got robbed because, you know, that's the only storyline that F1 Twitter can rehash on a daily basis. Does that mean? I guess so, yeah. Anyone who recently started F- watching F1, that is the event that they will continue to bring up <laughs> and reflect upon for years to come. I imagine that if I started watching F1 in, what was it? 89 or 90 when the Prost and Senna collisions happened, I would probably talk about that all the time. Or 94 when Schumacher took out Damon Hill. So, I mean, these things happen. This is when we just lived through one and we have social media, unfortunately. So it's been beaten into our skulls with hammer. <laughs> this is when somebody makes the joke, oh my God, host, you're so old that you were alive for the 87 or 89. And I was. But I don't remember it because I was actually too too young at the time. Let's talk about Nick DeVries. And I'm I'm yes. I know you're you're leading the F one stuff, but I want to talk about him because of a, a, a Latifi quote that came out an hour ago. So Oh, I didn't see obviously this. as Go ahead. Yes. Yes. So obviously, you know, DeVries subbed because uh, Alex Albon had his appendix removed and after a few complications is I think going home today or tomorrow, so in the next day or two. So happy yeah, that he's okay, failure. obviously. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, I, I, a complication I understand that... Anesthesia. Somebody said that you could actually have technically respiratory failure if the anesthesia is too... If you're not waking up in time. So it's oh. maybe not necessarily as severe as respiratory failure sounds. Okay, yeah. But, yeah, there's there's some... I, I saw somebody whose mom was like a, a cardiac nurse or something like that kind of chime in on Twitter over the last couple of days. And I forget who it was. Again, please credit yourself on when I post the episode. I don't care. So obviously DeVries had a good day, qualified. Well, ended up qualifying 13th. Then with the penalty kerfluffle, started 8th, finished 9th. Had a pretty good race. And then... <laughs> My man Latifi, who started 10th, plummeted and finished 15th thanks to a couple retirements. Probably was about 18th in all reality. He, <laughs> he said, was only behind the FW Magazine. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. He says, the FW44 is not suited to overtaking, which is why I could not climb into the points at Monza. He says, I think if we were up front, the car had the position to stay up front. You started 10th and you plummeted to 15th or 16th in five laps. No, Nicholas, you don't, you're, you don't have, no, no, stop it, stop. While your rookie teammate started 13th, made passes, and finished in the points on his debut. You have not finished in the points once this season, sir. 
I heard something. It was a stat that I, I said we had to mention on the podcast. Uh, they said during the broadcast of the race that Nick DeVries drove more laps in the top nine during that one race than Nicholas Latifi has had all season. That's all you need to know. That's embarrassing. Yeah, I, I tried not to be That's super harsh on Latifi because everybody seems to pile on, but I, it, at this point, he's he seems like he's gotten worse. Maybe because um, yeah, Mazepin's no longer in the series to compare to. Yeah, I think it's that, and he might be pressing because you know, he's under more pressure this year than he has been because of, of all the rumors and whatnot, but I mean, God, he stinks. I mean, I'm sorry. He's probably a very nice man, but he clearly is not meant for F1. Agreed. I mean, he's if he's not gone, I will be shocked. And that leads me actually to some news that I oh, have yeah. right here yeah. because um, Yoss should we, Capucho... Should we finish the race? Oh, okay. Well, I'll just going to finish the race news real first? quick. Yeah, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Because it's, it's like right on this uh, topic. Basically that DeVries has nothing else to do to stake his claim on that William seat. That basically he exceeded all expectations. It's so difficult to get in that car and race for two hours and not make any mistakes. And he had to defend, right, from people. And he had to get lapped and not do a mistake. And he had a pit stop. And it was just an outstanding job for someone to come in and do that. So at this point, I think it's on him to sign a deal if he wants to do that for the 2023 seat. Yeah. But it sounds like Williams is all in on him based on this result, which I think is deserved. I I didn't realize until they were talking about it this weekend. And I know, you know, DeVries won F2 a couple of years ago. He's won Formula E since then. I didn't realize he's 27. Mm-hmm. Not that, obviously, 27 is old, but it's old for an F1 rookie. Yeah, I know, right? It's interesting. Because it gives you perspective on how young... <laughs> Colton Herta is, and they're talking about him coming in as a rookie, but he's even older than Verstappen was. He was a shock to the system, yep. Max. Yep. Like, it was just nuts. Yeah, that super right, license system the that was designed to not... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, you're good. So, um, what else do we have to talk about? I land... Both Aston Martins uh, were out of the race. It's a double DNF for them, which is pretty unfortunate. Uh, I bet Fernando Alonso watched that with a grimace on his face. Uh, Alonso also fell out of the race with the problem. I think there was a radiator leak on his car, and they basically didn't want to do damage to the engine to have to replace it later, so they just retired the car. And I'm trying to think of what else that happened that was interesting in this race. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. 
Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today. DRS seemed pretty strong once Wait. again. Go for it. Aston Martin note, since you just we just talked about them. Aston Martin stock market shares have plummeted 64% yesterday and 7.5% today. That can that can't be good. Lawrence is probably Lawrence is probably flipping tables and cars and people and whatever he can get his hands on right now. They plummeted sixty four. Like that's just that's not good. Yes. Wow. That's, that's what Twitter tells me. I will research if it's true while you continue. That sounds like company is like headed down the tubes. That's massive. Okay. Well, I guess we shouldn't panic, but Lance or Lawrence Stroll probably should be. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of what else happened in the race that was really interesting besides not having a red flag restart that Ferrari wouldn't have been able to overtake Max anyway. George Russell was pretty excellent once again. Um, and Lewis actually yep. made a comment that starting in the back and having to overtake, I mean, we saw him do it at Monza. Was that last year or the year before? Do you remember that race where he came from the back like twice? At Monza. I don't remember. I don't know. It was a couple years ago. And so he said it's more fun. I mean, you're not wrong. Finish up front. Yeah. So, Uh, all in all, I don't think this was a better race than we have seen in the past two. And now Max Verstappen has won five in a row. And I don't think he has to do very much in Singapore to clinch the championship. So it's pretty much a foregone conclusion for that to happen. Did you have anything else stand out to you that happened? Yeah. No, and I say unfortunately just because I want the championship to go a couple rounds further. I don't have a care if Verstappen wins or not, but I mean, yes, Agreed. he's got it wrapped up at this point. Yeah. Can you imagine if Verstappen doesn't win the championship? Like he he would essentially have to DNF every race for the rest of the year. Yeah, I, th- I think that. Would... And even then, he still, even then with Ferrari strategy, he still might win the championship. <laughs> Probably that would it's be so, so embarrassing, embarrassing for okay. them. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, no, I don't have anything else from from Monza. I'm just glad it wasn't a sprint race weekend. It was it was it was compared to the the last few races. Like I was worried, like I was saying last week, it was a decent race. It, it definitely was not as boring as Zandvoort and Spa were. So that was good to see. How did our predictions go? Uh, they actually didn't go too well, but I won them. So I'm going to say they went well because we both picked a driver who DNF'd. It, I picked Alex Albon, who didn't even start. So he just gets crossed off the list. And then you had Lance Stroll, who DNF'd. Yeah. So I just crossed him off the list as well. So we only have one driver's position to go on to compare each other. You had Perez, who finished sixth, not even bad. And then I had George Russell, who finished third. So I win that one. All right, that's yep. And Q two prediction, I had Sonoda who actually got to Q two, and then set no time in Q two, so he was out just like we expected. And then you had Ricardo who actually made it to Q three this week. 
Of course. <laughs> <laughs> like the one time. Of course. <laughs> but it's okay. You've been wiping the floor with me in the IndyCar predictions that uh, I needed this win for my morale, like my will to live. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Do we have any other news? Yeah, there's just a couple other things. Not super interesting, but uh, Felipe Drogovic, who sealed up the F2 championship, was now announced as the Aston Martin reserve driver and the first member of its young driver development program. So what do you think about him signing a deal like that versus uh, maybe trying to go over to IndyCar or, I don't know, Super Formula, some other series that he, he might be more competitive and actually get to race? The reserve driver role in F1, where maybe they get one FP1 a year, seems like the biggest waste of a driver's talent I can think of in motorsports. It's just, I, I don't... You know, if you're the reserve driver and you also drive WEC or Super Formula, okay, fine. But most of these guys don't do... Some of these guys don't do that. You know, DeVries does because he has Formula E, but I don't know. I mean, that's... Aston Martin is... You know, their stock is plummeting. Their car is plummeting. They can barely finish races. And... I'm not all that sold on Drogovic as a talent, so I don't know. I'm not really Match made in heaven all right there, that positive then. about it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he can have fun, he can have fun with Lawrence. Listen, he can have fun getting tossed across the room by Lawrence Stroll when something doesn't go <laughs> Lawrence's way. When he goes Hulk mode. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm not advocating for physical violence. I'm just exaggerating a point. So that seat, right? Like, maybe if he's betting on a seat opening up. Lance Stroll's never leaving. And Fernando Alonso, we don't know how much longer he has, I guess, or how long that contract is at Aston Martin. But he seems like someone who wants to drive until he's about 79 years old. So if I were Felipe Drogovic, this would not be the young driver program I signed for. But then again... Pretty much all of them are worthless, so I wouldn't have signed for any of them. <laughs> yes. I could not agree more. Okay, so on to your favorite person, Nico Hulkenberg. Oh, no. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> he has apparently emerged as a serious contender to replace Mick Schumacher at Haas next year. This is mind-blowing. <laughs> Why? I don't get. I mean, ev- I know Nico everybody Hulkenberg. loves Nico Hulkenberg for some reason, but I, I'm there with you. Yeah. Where I think he's past his prime at this point, and he's not a championship winner. He's not a race winner. Like I don't get what the um, kind of obsession with him is by, in the F1 paddock anymore. Yeah, you know, why are you trading in a young driver for an old driver? And not that Nico Nico is old, but I don't know. I don't get the obsession with him either. I think this is a terrible move. I think if Haas goes another direction from Mick, I understand. I don't think it's the worst decision decision ever. But go with somebody young or a Ricardo who's at least been in the car in a car consistently over the last couple of years. I I don't think I think a pairing of Hulkenberg and Magnussen will 
you know, listen, they might not, he might not crash as much as Mick did in the early part of the season, but they're not going to get any points or many points. So no, I don't, I, I don't think at all. I would be amazing to see him paired um, with his old buddy, Kevin Magnuson, just to see the tension in that team. Because I mean, Haas was fun when you had the mix of Gunther Steiner, Roman Grosjean and Kevin Magnuson, but I mean, put Nico Hulkenberg back into the mix, and that is going to be one toxic atmosphere that will be fun to watch. And that is the only positive I can find about it. Let's go, toxicity. (laughs) Hey, if you want your team to be like that, this is the perfect decision. Uh, I meant to get to this stat, actually, before we moved on from Nick DeVries, but... The two previous drivers who scored points for Williams on their debut were Jacques Villeneuve in 1996 and Nico Rosberg in 2006. So if he follows the trend of either of those guys, then he is set for greatness, I guess you could say, or at least one title. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Interesting find. Last piece of news is that Colton Herta, even though apparently the FIA is not set to grant him a super license because they're worried that there's going to be some kind of unintended consequences about bending the rules in the future, which is funny, given that it's the FIA and they pretty much bend the rules whenever they need. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.